me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and we are talking about episodes 32 through 34 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. And we left off on uh, an unprecedented (laughs) four-parter. So, a lot of setup in that last Mm -hmm. episode. And it's time for all the payoff to happen. Oh, yeah. So starting with July 15th, Thursday, part two, it's 1043 a.m. now, and we're, mm-hmm. we're checking on Rohan again. See, this goldfish man is an architect <laughs> that Rohan called in to, to like determine the cost of repairs and design the renovations. Mm-hmm. Figure out like what other movies he could get furniture from. <laughs> He's not just going to have any old chair. I'm really into Terminator 2. No, not the part with the Terminator. Okay, when they go to the the tech office and they have to go through the lobby, I want those chairs. Yeah. What do you mean they're full of bullet holes? (laughs) You know the weird giant couches you see all the time in Logan's Run? I want one of those. Wait, those are real couches you can buy for $30,000? I'll take it. (laughs) The only thing anyone wants from Logan's Run. (laughs) I want the shitty robot that lives in the ice zone <laughs> who makes food for people. If you turn the movie off after that scene, you're going to say, dang, that was a good movie. The 70s was a good time for weird sci-fi movies. Do not watch the rest of Logan's Run. Yeah, you could just not watch the second half. It's bad. You could just stop with the, the ice robot. He's fun. I like that part a lot. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> if you see Peter Ustinov, you've gone too far. Turn back. Turn so, back. Hit stop. Hit eject. You're watching a VHS of this? Okay. <laughs> uh. As soon as Rohan opens the door, he's like, eh, heaven's door. Let's just... Yeah. You you look weird. I, I could actually pick you out of a lineup. I'm, I'm not risking this. Yeah. So he, he starts reading the this guy's face, and he, his name is Masazo Kinoto, born 1970, Oh, world-class architect, this goldfish fish man, apparently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is who he says he is. Also, this suggests to me that, like, every delivery driver in Morio has had their face red. <laughs> yeah, Rohan takes no chances. Ah, <laughs> oh, you really are a Jehovah's Witness. Fine, then. <laughs> and he would listen to a Jehovah's Witness, at least for the first time, just mm-hmm, so that he has mm-hmm. material for his manga. <laughs> in case... He wants a Jehovah's Witness in there. So so Masazo Kanoto here, this uh, uh, very interesting architect, shall we say, uh, his his English voice played Zoltan in Gundam Narrative. Oh, shit. So I guess when people see this guy, they're like, ah, yeah, weirdo with a mohawk. I, I got just the part for you. <laughs> Goldfish man, here you are. <laughs> Hope you like it. Yeah, Rohan continues to read, not a stand user, he's just a normal guy. And then there's a little bit uh, at the end of one of these pages that says, I don't like anyone looking at my back. Mm-hmm. There is no reason. I just really don't like it. <laughs> so Rohan's like, yeah, okay. Everyone's allowed a weird thing, I guess. <laughs> Let me just patch you up right there. But but not before I write in a little note that says, you cannot attack me. Yep. <laughs> Five out of six people in Morio have a note saying they cannot attack him. <laughs> Anytime he's alone with one person, he just writes that in there, doesn't he? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's in a public bathroom, and there's one other dude in there. Whoop, can't attack me. 
So Rohan turns turns back, welcomes his uh, uh, architect into his home, who then like slaps his back against the door and swings inside. He he moves around like like a, a climbing ivy vine. That is yeah. how he travels. He he kind of slither. He doesn't just walk in, turn, and then put his back to the open door. He like walks to the side of the house outside and slithers all the way around the surface until he is like smoothly mm-hmm, attaching mm-hmm. to the door, like almost slithering like a, a snake or a slug or something. But before you can think too much about that, it's 9.06 a.m. again, and we're <laughs> back at Superfly. Yep. Uh, we, we still got Mikitaka, the alien, nailed to the inside of this tower with, with rivets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bad guy here reveals like, aha, also, you have not seen my real face. I wear a mask all day. <laughs> and he heavily implies that he gave a fake name to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, M- Miki Taka is kind of okay with just staying here as penance for, for springing this trap. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of deserve this. I'll just chill out here. It seems like, unless he's hearing sirens that make, you know, give him an allergic reaction, it's, it feels like he just doesn't feel pain. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he got shot through the chest and nailed in three different places in his arm, and he's not really going like, ah, or anything. He's he's kind of chill, honestly. I'm, I'm just going to suggest that perhaps Mikitaka's uh, siren allergy is a reference to the Ixlians from Invasion of Astro Monster. Hmm. That's the Godzilla movie where he does a little dance. Oh, okay. I know about the little <laughs> dance. I haven't seen anything else from that one. That's interesting, though. There's, there's just aliens with, like, allergic reaction to... Is it to sound? There's a specific horrible noise that when they hear it, they just freak out and can't do anything. Okay. And yeah, that's, that's <laughs> there's one similar. character who's this weird little nerd who is, <laughs> is a tinkering inventor who just invented a horrible noise for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch this one, I think. So this dude who I always forget the name of, mm-hmm. the, the stand user of, of Superfly... Mr. Uh, Keebler. Yeah, Mr. Keebler. Uh, he's about to, to jump off the, the tower again and just make his escape. But Josuke is not having any of that shit because he has grabbed the bit of uh, power cable that got cut last episode. And he's just using Crazy Diamond to reattach it while he's holding on to it. So he just flies all the way up to the level that Mikitaka yes. is at. Yep. Uh, uh, he he is not going to accept Mikitaka's sacrifice to just become the the new tenant of Superfly. <laughs> he vows to quote put this bro hole back in his douche cage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot to write that one down in my notes. I'm glad you did because I I, <laughs> I had a good laugh when he said that. The stand user here was not planning on killing anyone. He just wanted to get pe- someone else in here so he could escape. But now that Josuke's here, he's like, well, guess I got to start killing people. <laughs> And they have, like, uh, uh, an exchange of blows. Like, this guy is so skilled at uh, moving through this tower that he can dodge Crazy Diamond's incredibly fast punching. Yeah. And Josuke is new to the tower, so eventually he, like, slips and falls and is just, like, dangling uh, uh, very, very high up, a deadly distance up. Yeah. This dude just, like, hawks up a loogie, basically, and just lets it slowly drip from his mouth onto, onto Josuke. Yeah, he he does a little spitty slurpee, and I am as surprised as anyone to to note that I'm talking about Big Daddy twice over the course of Diamond <laughs> is Unbreakable. God, yeah, that's the only scene I remember from that. 
But Josuke dodges the spit just barely, and he's able to pull mm-hmm. himself back up onto this railing, but not before this dude can reveal that, like, hey, I, with the little knife I have tucked under my, my disgusting calluses, I just made a bunch of little strikes against the beam right above me. So mm-hmm. they, they fire off a bunch of shots at Josuke. And again, his expertise is so incredible that they don't all fire at Josuke. Some are going at, at wide and bizarre angles, but they're not bizarre. No, no, no. They are so <laughs> precise and numerous that, that they are all on complex ricochet paths to bounce all around the structure of Superfly and then hit Josuke in such a way that he has no idea from what direction they're coming or when they are coming because some have such circuitous paths, (laughs) like ricocheting dozens of times. He does not know if he's got them all. Yeah. They could take so long to get to him. And like Josuke is blocking some of them, but he is get he gets hit by a good like six or seven of them. No no like killing blows, but just kind of getting him across the arms and shoulders and chest and stuff like that. Anyone that makes him lose his grip would be effectually a killing blow. Yeah. And so Josuke, he, he does get knocked off the beam and he's just hanging fr- by one hand. And he's getting weak now because he's bleeding from a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But, aha, uh-huh, he's not owned. <laughs> Per usual, he's not owned. He's never owned because he wasn't just like blocking this four or five with a uh, crazy diamond. Crazy diamond was giving them the good punch. Yeah, the good punch. So they'll go back to where they came from and get fixed. Yeah. Uh, uh, so all of these stab lasers follow all the way back to that point just behind Mr. Keebler's face. Yeah. <laughs> and his mask gets obliterated. Yeah, he gets messed up. That takes him out. It's his mask that gets messed up, but it looks like he just got a dozen exit wounds coming out of his face. (laughs) (laughs) He's having a bad enough time of it that he essentially concedes. And we have like a a post-fight debrief down at the base of the tower with everybody. And it turns out that this guy also just wants to live quietly. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was just like doing the freaking thing and I thought I wanted to stop, but I don't want to stop anymore. I'll stay. I'll be good. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I love that this guy didn't even get pierced by the arrow. He's been here three years with a stand, apparently, mm-hmm. and was just told like by Kira's dad, like, hey, I know some guys that could come over here and then he could leave. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> So yeah, he's he's telling them like all the info he's got on when he talked to Kira's dad and like struck this deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of info because he's only like met the guy twice, basically. But he did say he that Kira's dad mentioned something about a guy named Koichi, and that he found a way to eliminate him. Oh, yeah. oh, this freaks everybody out. But they're not able to get like much other information from him other than Koichi's in trouble. There's another stand user. Like right now, you know who does have information? <gasps> the narrator. Oh, narrator's got to tell us about this brand new Morio landmark, the man in the electrical tower, <laughs> and how if you bring him salt, he'll do a little dance. <laughs> yeah, and also he'll allow you to take pictures with mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a weird addition to that that lifestyle, but I, I guess he uses it to preserve the fish that he catches for the lean winter months. <laughs> I guess so. Can he do ice fishing in the winter? 
if anybody can, he can. Like, this dude is an expert at living in this tower. I, yeah, I guess so. I Somebody should bring him some tarps mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to line some areas so that the wind doesn't get him so much. He doesn't wear a shirt. <laughs> this well, sucks. he did, but his shirt got destroyed in the course oh, of the no, fight. That's right. The shirt got destroyed. We need to bring him a new strange vest suspenders situation. <laughs> Something that doesn't expose his midriff, that's, that's going to make him chilly. Well, no, it can, but as long as it's fur-lined, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. That's right. So it's 10.58 a.m., uh, and Kira and Fishboy are in the fire-damaged room. Uh, turns out that this is all vintage design, like the uh, Edwardian and Victorian. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, like, era-appropriate materials imported <laughs> from England. Like, this yeah. burned door is 800,000 yen all on its own. <laughs> How good does Pink Dark Boy sell? Even better than One Piece. <laughs> what What is the merch situation in Pink Dark Boy? Does he he also probably makes more money because he has zero assistance. That's true. That's he's he's yeah. not splitting it. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> but he didn't build this house. He bought this house. There's yeah. some weird like Edwardian design enthusiast that was murdered by one of these killers in this town. <laughs> yeah. That estate agent didn't know what he had, uh, really. <laughs> yeah. I just love the times where Rohan has, like, stated that he doesn't really care about, like, it's it's all about just making a thing that people read, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all this other shit around him is just kind of extraneous fluff he doesn't give a shit about. But it seems like he only wants the best. <laughs> it's just incidental that my that, that the uh, anime film of my book also grossed more than Mugen Train, okay? <laughs> it doesn't matter, though. <laughs> Like, I think this dude likes being rich, and he just doesn't want it to admit it. <laughs> so it's 11.16 a.m., and over at the office in S-City, I guess, mm-hmm. Kira is surrounded by stranglable necks. Oh, man, there's so many hot office ladies here <laughs> clipping their hair back and going back to typing and, and, and all that, and he's just like... But that's enough of that. We're still just like, hey, hey, remember, one of these four stories is going to be Akira's story. He he exists. Yep. So now we're at the mid-episode title card. It's it's Crazy Diamond back again. Mm-hmm. And at 10.20 a.m., it turns out the elves are roommates. They're just chilling together. Yep, Taco's just chilling out in the tower now. What about your brainwash mommy? She's going to miss yeah, you. Yeah, what? Come on. You just go missing days at a time? I don't know. It was a big problem in his old school. Yeah. And the the Superfly user here is, like, cooking some fish or something. He just looks permanently shell-shocked now after getting owned once. Mm-hmm. Like, like he, it feels like he's living constantly in the fear of God or Josuke. Uh, and he's just like, mm, I hope they can find Koichi, okay? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, spe- speaking of, it is 1137 or 1037. <laughs> Depending on the... Did you catch this? Yes. Are you reading the screen or are you reading the subtitles? <laughs> the screen says 11.37, subtitles say 10.37. Hmm. But either way, Okiyasu is just running, screaming for th- through the streets, shouting for his little buddy, mm-hmm. uh, and not finding him or anyone else. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this road... Morio this... has always been shown to be a bustling town, but it is dead. Where is everyone? Yeah, it's... There should at least be a line at St. Gentleman's. Yeah, totally. There's always a line, even when it's closed. 
There's a little transition here where, like, Okuyasu is screaming for Koichi, and he, like, turns around quickly to face the camera, and as his arm, like, goes across the camera, it, it fills up the frame entirely, and then when the arm pulls back, it's transitioned to Josuke. Yeah, arm wipe. And Josuke is back in the hospital talking to Yuya, asking for help. Like, hey... I will heal you instantly again <laughs> in exchange for, for use of Highway Star as like a tracking bloodhound. Yeah. And Yuya is pissed off at first. <laughs> well, of course he is. He's Yuya. Yeah. It's his natural state. Why the fuck would I help you? You just broke every bone in my body a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. And then so Josuke just goes like, okay, bye. And he's immediately like, no, wait. <laughs> Hold on. I was just haggling. Wait a minute. Yeah. Even when he was haggling, Josuke had secretly, secretly like already fixed all of his his injuries and mm -hmm, he just mm -hmm. did not realize. Yeah, he he's like, yeah, you know, I'll I'll, I'll definitely take your deal. Uh, I can't give my girls the attention they deserve in this condition. <laughs> and Josuke's like, you're not in that condition anymore already. Like, come on, come on, let's go. Yeah. You'd think after the first time he'd recognized what being instantly healed of all injuries <laughs> would feel like, right? It's just he gets like horse blinders or something when he's talking. I don't know. So, so, so uh, he he rises from his bed. He he changes into his going out clothes. And there's another fun wipe here where where the screen is is transitioned by his bandages flowing across yeah. it and just roses because he's got a bit of a rose motif. Yeah, and he he takes a moment to look in the bathroom mirror and admire how hot he believes he is. Quote, I am a hot and beautiful man, after all. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he, he puts his outfit on and he's wearing like a very, very long tie. Mm -hmm. That's almost like a scarf when it first begins. Because it, 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 he ties the tie into like a big, loose bow. Mm -hmm. And then the tie reads, Speed King. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we haven't mentioned his HS Highway Star chin tattoo. Oh, yeah, his though. chin tattoo. God, it's really good. I halfway believe one of the girls drew that on with an ink pen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, he's telling Josuke like, "Don't please don't regard me as a hunting dog." And then he's like going to show off just how super powered his, his smelling abilities are. And he's just like, "Oh, I'm smelling something coming down the hallway. It's uh, Reika, Akemi, and and Yoshi, my my three girls." And they just came back from the pachinko parlor. How can I tell? Because all their skirts reek of ass sweat. And where else would they be sitting on vinyl chairs so long for that to happen? And all they, the, they just pachinkoed. And all the girls are just impressed by this. They're not like creeped mm -hmm, out that mm -hmm. he's smelling their ass sweat. That's what gets them to cool down from drawing their deadly blades on <laughs> Josuke on sight. Yeah, they they pull out their knives and just ready to stab the dude. <laughs> well, one of them still has the like wooden katana from before, but two of them just have fucking yeah. knives. Long knives. Like eight inch, eight -inch blades. Blade. Yeah, they're big knives. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, a little uh, a parlor trick, a pachinko parlor trick <laughs> gets, gets them to, to cool down and see that, oh, our, our hunky friend is is all fixed up. Thank you, Josuke, I guess. <laughs> and then the, the one who, uh, the one of the girls who won big at pachinko offers her prize a Kit Kat bar spelled with C's instead of K's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's twelve oh five now. We're back in Rohan's house, and they they gotta yeah. they gotta assess the damage upstairs. 
But this yeah. architect doesn't want anyone to look at his back. Zero possibility that it could happen. And so he's like reverse. So you'd think he would sl- sidle <laughs> along the wall of the yeah. staircase like he's been doing. No, that is not what he does. He crab walks on all fours in reverse yeah. to go upstairs. Yeah. So his back is to the stairs. Yeah, it's really <laughs> it's really funny. And Rohan just has a you hear his thoughts and he's basically just like, What the fuck is up with this guy? What's his deal? I gotta know. I am incapable of respecting personal boundaries. I gotta know. Yeah, he, and so now his life's mission is to see this guy's back at all costs. Uh <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck about like assessing the fire damage. So he's immediately just like, Oh man, my back is so itchy this might be weird to have a stranger do this but can you come and itch my back mm-hmm. <laughs> oh let me just set out a, a cup of tea for you on this lonely little side table in the dead center of the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so this guy does like detach from the wall and and slowly approach to give Rohan a back scratch and just as he begins to step on a rug that is clearly set over a hole in the floor mm-hmm. we we cut again there's a little extra squish to that rug yeah yeah, yeah. and then we cut away on a rug stepping cliffhanger <laughs> To 12.28, and Yuya is in the town square taking a scent off of Koichi's bag, which I presume Okiyasu found as he was running and screaming. Yeah, this bag was left only like minutes away from Koichi's house, so that's very suspect. So yeah, Yuya's picking up uh, Koichi's scent pretty close by. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But before Yuya does anything else, he's just like, hey, our deal is just that I have to sniff stuff out, right? And like not fighting. I don't have to fight anybody because like... Uh, there's a guy right over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they were being tailed this whole time by the, the same uh, uh, spiky-haired man that we know they're looking for. Ooh, dramatic irony, ah. ah. Who, who is just standing on the corner of the same fully abandoned block <laughs> as them. The only person visible in any direction. I'm under the impression that this four-parter was something that they really had to rush at the studio because there is a noticeable dip in, like, animation quality in certain shots that, like, gets fixed up after the four-parter, but... This guy is also capable of something very much like teleportation. Yeah. So I'm not, like, gonna hammer on it too much. It's just very silly. Yeah. It just feels like the the empty streets we see in these episodes is just, like... We can't afford to draw all those background extras. Mm-hmm, Let's mm-hmm. skip them. Everybody's at work. No, Nobody takes an yeah. early lunch in Morio. Yeah. Everyone's inside St. Gentleman's right now. There's a, there's a basement floor. So yeah, Yuya points out that like, hey, the, the scent of Koichi I picked up leads straight to this weird dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Josuke chases after this guy who just kind of chill. He just kind of slowly walks away. He's in no hurry. And as Josuke grabs this guy by the shoulder, uh, he turns into Josuke's mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just instantly no no one can tell what happened or why or how uh, uh everybody had full eyes on everything maybe star platinum could figure it out with his special special eyes but he ain't yeah. here right now yeah so uh yuya's freaked out by that josuke is like mega pissed off because someone has fucked with his mom who's like unconscious right now He's asking Yuya, like, where the fuck did that dude go if this was my mom the whole time? And Yuya's like, he's still here. He's just hiding somewhere. And we get a little monologue from the shadows, from this unnamed stand user who will go unnamed until he is defeated. (laughs) Yeah. 
we only learn his name at the last possible moment yeah uh but he, he's talking about you know it's it's all according to plan yes uh the incredible observational powers of my stand enigma oh, oh. <laughs> or as renamed in the dub mysterioso that was pretty good i like it's, mysterioso it's okay. i like mysterioso yeah uh enigma is a german band they, they are more often called a musical project so you know what you're getting into <laughs> yeah uh, it's quite literally mood music. Like, mm. <laughs> it's good, but uh, no one in the world can dance to it. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, like the camera is pulling out from this guy's perspective into like this alleyway where he is seemingly hiding, uh, and mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. as he talks about like the incredible observational powers of his stand, uh, we cut back to seven thirty-seven in the morning. Back to when Josuke's mom was, you know, checking the fridge and getting pissed off that some of the food was eaten, supposedly, by Josuke. Mm -hmm. And she notices that there's, like, a cup of, like, hot tea just sitting out Mm -hmm. on the kitchen table. And next to it is a little folded napkin that turns out to not be a napkin because she unfolds it and it is her own panties. And someone has... Helpfully labeled. (laughs) Yeah. Written in like Sharpie, these are your panties. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? As that as that like freaks her out, this dude yeah. ap- it appears behind her, just like sitting on the kitchen table, and he's just talking about fear and doing like a Batman voice. <laughs> I hate that I'm about to what I'm about to say, but it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, like this but wow wow <laughs> yeah wouldn't she know <laughs> yeah i i mean we as the viewer would not and you know what i'm fine with not knowing mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a pair it's a pair that was tucked way back that she hasn't worn in a year Forgot. oh i thought i lost these these are right my... yeah D- does tide pen get sharpie out what am i supposed to do now Wait right, a minute. a ruin now unless i want to be a fucking freak wearing panties that say these are your panties <laughs> i'm i don't know uh that, that sounds like something one of you use girls would wear but <laughs> yeah she, she turns around and sees this guy and she's immediately freaked out like shaking because this guy is talking about like fear and uh, how nobody in the world is immune to fear and how fear fear always shows itself blah, 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 blah. yeah and so she pulls a knife on this fool yeah like she's freaked out but josuke's mom totally seems like someone who would stab a dude mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but as she is you know still scared after she pulls this knife she like does a really audible noticeable like gulp like a nervous mm-hmm. gulp and he's just like aha I think that is like your your mark of fear, the the tick you have when you get really scared. And then she gulps again. He's like, "Yup, I got it. That is like the the telltale sign you do when you are utterly consumed by fear." Th- there is a moment in between where, like, okay, does the first gulp? You're like, ah, ah, interesting, ah. So he unfolds right. a sheet of paper and out pops a second snack cake and cup of tea. Yeah, just. Just perfectly just sitting there when he unfolds this sheet of paper. And so he just sort of tongues the cake all creepy like. Yes, that's right. And that's when Tomiko's like, oh, fuck, this is some scary shit. This dude is freaking me out. Gulp. Like, ah, 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 gotcha. And so he summons Enigma, who is a purple swirly guy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
what happens here is a really cool visual that's hard to explain. Uh, <laughs> so as Enigma shoots out to grab Tomoko, we see her, because she's like running away now, we get like a, a profile, like a, a side view of her running across like a blue, like kaleidoscopic background. And as she is mm-hmm, running, mm-hmm. she extends out and there's like multiples of her like in a pattern across the screen all running and enigma grabs her mid-run and like forms into a shape that like is form-fitting to her it's an mc escher tessellation yeah it's a tessellation and once it runs into her and forms that shape she just tessellates into a pattern of her and enigma that is then printed onto a sheet of paper yeah and because, like, I'm thinking of sequences like this, or, like, the warping of the hallway before it turns all kaleidoscopic, like, I think this is one of the best-looking episodes of JoJo's. It certainly has yeah. very striking visuals in these moments. I love I love everything around Enigma's effects yeah. so much. There, there's some really good sound design with Enigma, too, because, like, when he grabs somebody and, like, tessellates them into this pattern on the paper... You get this weird, like, almost, like, fluttering, like, helicopter blade noise that, like, speeds up really fast, then slows down, then starts speeding up again, but playing in reverse. It sounds really cool. And if vacant streets in Mario is the price for for this sort of, uh, like, visual design, I don't care. Fuck them. Yeah. (laughs) I hope I never see another townsperson. (laughs) Yeah, all the Enigma stuff looks good. And there's a really great bit, like, after uh, Tomoko gets, like, tessellated, uh, there's a shot here where... The Enigma's user grabs a sheet of paper and he starts folding it up, but he doesn't fold it up just you know normally and just creasing it. It's like there's a lot of like anticipation in the animation where he's very slowly folding it, and then all at once he like slams the paper together and it makes this really loud mm-hmm. like clapping noise. Like each time he folds the piece of paper loudly, it's like a devastating blow being dealt to someone, <laughs> <laughs> and like the screen shakes every time he slaps the paper. So so he folds her up and, and reveals that, you know, he's got a Koichi paper, too. Mm-hmm. What was Koichi's fear tell? Was it excessive sweating? I must know. <laughs> Although, uh, because the way this works is like, at least for living things, I, I don't, I guess all of these household objects, he can just turn into paper. Yeah. But for people, he's got to see your distinctive personal fear tell. And then notice you doing it uh, to send Enigma out to grab you. Yeah. What, what happens if he sends Enigma out to grab you w- without that? Or like if he guesses your tell wrong because like someone knows what's coming and they bluff him real good? I don't know. That doesn't come up. Yeah. I've always been curious about that. Now that we see how his stand works, we go back to the present. En- Enigma's user has, you know, released... Uh, Tomoko from the paper to freak Josuke out, hoping that he'll get a, a, a sign of fear from Josuke as well, which he believes to be uh, Josuke biting his lower lip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Josuke uh, is like, he's clearly freaked out and scared at this point, And there's like a close up of him almost biting his lower lip, but he's just not quite doing it yet. Uh, he's not freaked out quite enough. And Yuya notices, hey, there's like another, I'm still picking up that scent of Koichi. But also, hey, this is getting scary. I don't want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to help anymore. This sucks. I I just want it expressed in writing that I do not have to fight anyone, that we are square now and I can go. This is bad. Yeah. 
Yuya is no no hero. Uh, uh, so yeah, Josuke is just trying to figure out what happens. He, he calls out to Yuya like, hey, you, you haven't taken your eyes off my mom, right? And like, that's more of an Okuyasu thing, dude. But uh, <laughs> but no, no, she's fine. In our enemy Stan user's monologues, he does reveal that Koichi's fear tell is apparently a distinctive double blink. Yeah. He, he literally does double takes. What a sweet <laughs> little boy. <laughs> So Josuke is, he searches his, his mom's pocket because there's clearly something inside of it. And like, he was trying to get Yuya to like check it out. And he's just like, no. And uh-uh. so Josuke sets Tomoko down on like a, a bench nearby. And he grabs this little square of paper in her pocket and he starts to unfold it. And that's the cliffhanger. What's in the paper? <laughs> What's in the paper? <laughs> so that brings us to episode 33, July 15th, Thursday, part three. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, Josuke unfolds that paper and it's blank and he's confused by this. He, he looks at the one side, it's blank. He turns it around, sees the back, <laughs> it's blank, turns it around again and a gun comes out. <laughs> It doesn't just like pop out. It just like yeah. It just slowly pokes out from the side of the paper, facing away from the camera. There's, it's just a real ass gun, and it shoots Josuke in the face. And I, I am assuming this is what you were cracking up about when you tweeted about yeah. it. Yeah, it's. So I was, I was watching this episode while while my wife was on an important work call. Yep. And I'm just trying to stifle myself to not interrupt. <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah, it's a fun. It's a fucking funny reveal. Just, oh, just a God. real, a super realistically drawn gun. So, so yeah, this dude shoots Josuke in the face. Is he trying to kill him? Yes and no. Like if he <laughs> kills him, I don't think he'd mind. But he's just trying to frighten him. <laughs> Yeah. With a deadly weapon. And like Which would do it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of little clips from JoJo that you could just like make an out of context clip of to make it seem really fucking insane and strange. But I think this one might be the best. Why one. did his hand turn into a squirrel? Why did the squirrel do that? Yeah. Like that's pretty wild, but I think just a guy looking at a blank piece of paper and then a gun comes out of it from behind it. <laughs> Is maybe the the best out of context like moment you can grab from JoJo. It is just incredible. <laughs> so yeah, he's shot in the fucking face. He's flung backward like eight feet. The camera twists around into the next time card. It is twelve forty two. Everybody is skipping lunch because Rohan's architect has fallen into a hole. Yep, up to his waist. Yep. He is trapped. And Rohan just laughs in his face while it's walking around to peep that back. Yep. And this this architect is like scrambling like a scared animal trying to pull himself out of this hole. And it's just not, it's just the perfect size of, of him. He's just, he's just stuck. <laughs> How did he, I guess he had a lot of time to plan this out while <laughs> uh, uh, the dude was crab walking up the stairs. That is not a, a quick mode of transit. Does does he always plant traps in his house when he has workers come to his house, just in case? Oh, you know he always plants <laughs> traps in his house when he has workers come over. Come on. Yeah, I guess you're right. They all have I Can't Attack Rohan in, in their book, mm-hmm. and then he just has them fall in traps just for his own personal amusement. By the way, Ben, forgot to mention that Rohan's like, he's got eye makeup on today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
his statement piece is a rope worn around the neck yes. as, as a sort of tie or necklace. I'm not entirely sure which to categorize yeah, it as. Like a, it's a rope. Like a blue and lime striped rope. Uh, the ends are joined not in a, a knot or a bow at any point, but just like a clasp that is yet again a fountain pen yeah. Uh, nip. <laughs> yeah. This is the first time in a while that Rohan's outfit does not have an exposed midriff. He's actually got a shirt tucked into some pants. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's breezy out today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, with all the holes he's dug into, <laughs> bored into his <laughs> yeah, house. The home's become very drafty lately. <laughs> well, with the whole missing side. Yeah. And so Rohan goes around to look at this guy's back, and it's just... And he's like, please don't. I have this horrible feeling that I'll die if someone sees my back. Please don't do this, sir. Don't do please. this. And Rohan looks at it, and it's just a normal back. Meanwhile, the architect is, like, foaming at the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we get a close up where like after Rohan has looked at his back, the the architect is like drooling and foaming and he's just like it's over, I'm finished. And then a bunch of drool and foam drips onto the frame like mm-hmm. from straight above. And so his back opens like the drawer to a cabinet. Yeah. And blood geysers out <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, this architect is fucking dead. There's blood all over. His his mm-hmm. skin has immediately turned gray. And Rohan is just like, oh, shit, that was a stand. But why did the guy not know he had a stand? He's some sort of stand patsy uh, uh, carrying this dangerous stand into my home. Yeah. And as Rohan's trying to figure out what the hell just happened, uh, a little guy appears behind his shoulder <laughs> saying, let's let's do give me a piggyback ride. He just says, piggyback, please, yeah. over and over. And this is a little guy who, he's pretty cute. I like him. He's He's got uh, an impish energy about him. Yeah. He, he is an imp. And so he's got kind of like the the round ear caps that like Mega Man has on his helmet. He's got like an orange star on top of his little round yellow head. And he's just got this weird little mouth with some teeny tiny fangs in it. Not too many. He's got like a spherical head with that just like hinges open like fucking Grover when he yes, talks. Yeah, he's a little Muppety. He's very Muppety. Uh, and his fingertips end in little suction cups that he uses to like grab on and hang on to Rohan's like shoulder so he can hang off on, on his back. And yeah, he just constantly asks like, can you give me a piggyback ride? Yes, please. And I guess it's time to find another architect. Time for the OP. All right. Yeah. Uh, it is 1339. Uh, th- these times are given in like 24 hour clock notation. So I'm just going to be following the episode's lead on that yep. as we get into the afternoon. So uh, you might call it 1.39 p.m. We're going to call it 13.39 when uh, Jotaro and Joseph get a missing persons report as requested. Again, from that one speed wagon, dude, we've been seeing a whole lot. Yeah, he's got a, a dossier of all people reported missing after the sheer heart attack fight. Yeah, and this is including like runaways and stuff like they're they're mm-hmm. investigating every single case in Morio exhaustively trying to find any sort of clues to like Kira's whereabouts or like new victims. And Joseph's still taking care of that invisible baby. So it's 1255 uh, and Rohan cannot run from his back gremlin. Yeah, it's... 
It's on him. It's got him now. It's, yeah, it's got and him. It really wants him to burn these dang pictures. It wants that so bad. Yeah. Anytime Rohan says anything, the little guy's like, okay, but we should burn those pictures, though. Yeah, but burn all those photographs you took at the, the train station, please. Rohan is just, like, he tries to use Heaven's Door on it. Yes. Uh, but it's behind him, and he can't reach it. Well, he, he does eventually manage it, and it's just like, its face starts to, to split open down the center vertically as pages unfurl, and then the same split happens in his own face. Yeah, this little guy explains that, like, hey, I am your stand now, so, like, any damage done to me is done to you. Quote, you're my user now, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've kind of seen a couple stands sort of like this. Like, we had Anubis, which was a traveling stand. Mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. in Stardust. And yeah, this is another one of those guys who just... Jankin Boy was sort of this in reverse. A, a yeah. stand stealer rather than a, a stand gifter? I don't know. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, the architect didn't even know he had a stand. He was just really freaked out because he could tell there was something on his back. Mm-hmm. Man, that sucks to get shot with an arrow and you don't even know you got superpowers. It keeps happening. You just get a superpower that just fucking kills you. If anyone looks at your back, that sucks. <laughs> so so we do learn this guy's name, Cheap Trick or Cheap Trap. Yep. Fine, I guess, but Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick. Named, of course, for the Northern Illinois rock band, famous for I Want You to Want Me and Surrender. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're getting to good music again. And honestly, when I said that thing about not liking too many of the bands recently, I had forgotten that Earth, Wind, and Fire was so close oh, yeah, before yeah. that. I apologize. <laughs> I guess I'm really just talking about stray cats. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> so Rohan runs out of the house and mm-hmm. is trying to shake Cheap Trick off of him in the, the silliest looking ways possible. Doing a little dance. Yeah, yeah, he he does a silly, silly little dance. And this is where I figure out like, oh, okay. So Rohan's got this this little thing whispering bad ideas in his ear all the time it's it's part of him whether he likes it or not he can't shake it off just going outside isn't going to help no matter what people say <laughs> oh shit rohan's got depression yep <laughs> <laughs> yep rohan's got the depression stand and so while rohan's doing the, the depression dance uh, uh <laughs> the world's we've all tried it it doesn't help but we've all tried it yep sure have as he's doing the depression dance the world's he does the thriller stance yes, in does. the middle of this dance the world's fanciest looking lucky land milkman rides by in his bike <laughs> he's got fucking baron zeppeli's mustache practically and he's like buff and he rides by and he says, hey, Rohan, I really like that latest issue of your manga, but I got a tip for it. You should draw lots of naked titties in there. <laughs> and then he just rides off. <laughs> <laughs> what is the point of this scene? <laughs> I just love it. I fucking love it. Just a milkman going like, fucking draw some boobs. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> She's heartbreak is a head tie. I need a chapter on this milkman's life. He, he, he has too much character design in him. He's too <laughs> memorable of a milkman. I gotta know more about him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so is, is there like a novelist in town? Like, hell yeah, I read your latest chapters. Where's the sex scenes though? Come on, bro. <laughs> I want to hear about turgid members. Come on. You're painting a house. Hey, you know what else you could paint? Come on, come on. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> God damn it. Does he say those things every day to the same people until they happen? 
Has he ever been successful in these endeavors? Uh, just wait until a movie producer moves into Morio. Oh, he's going to be insufferable. Does he also do this just to hot ladies? Just like, press up against the glass! Here's your milk! <laughs> and then he just rides off. Like, he doesn't even wait to see if it happens. God, why, why do you think he got into the milkman business? <laughs> yep. He heard the rumors. Turns out they're not true. He's very frustrated. I've watched at least a dozen videos online that show this should be happening. Ah, fuck it. I'm going to be a pizza delivery guy now. Yes! Those guys get all the luck. <laughs> oh, I got to move to a college town. <laughs> but Cheap Trick is whispering not just, hey, hey, come on, let's burn those pictures. Come on, come on. He's got a second idea. He's giving Rohan essentially the same uh, deal as Highway Star did. If somebody else looks at your back, I'll jump off onto them. And hey, maybe I won't kill you. Maybe. 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 Yeah. Come on. Come on. Let's find out. I, Let's... I love this little stand. He's so cute and funny. <laughs> He's very good. So now it's 1247. Josuke is still falling from this gunshot to the face. And thankfully, he's got, you know, pretty similar reflexes to Star Platinum. So he was able to grab the bullet before it shot him straight in the face. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the, this piece of paper is still floating in the air just with a hand and a gun sticking out of it. And then he just <laughs> throws the gun at Josuke and goes like, but was that scary? Throwing a gun at you? <laughs> Bet you're scared. <laughs> Look, Superman can get shot in the chest five times, but when somebody throws the gun, he ducks. Yeah. <laughs> People don't like guns getting thrown at them. Yeah. They don't like it's, it. It's just, it's not nice. Uh, so, so yeah, he, he pops out and ramps up the fear in person. And by the way, the way he appears is like something fucking Bugs Bunny would do. Because like the piece of paper floats away and, and floats behind like a, uh, a light pole. And then even though the light pole is skinnier than him, he emerges from one side of it. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> as he's, he's just appearing from the, like around a corner of a wall. It's very Looney Tunes. And Yu Yu is freaked out by, by this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about th this is our first real look at the dude. Mm hmm. Uh, at least from, you know, the neck down. Yeah. His outfit is a choice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So he's kind of got like a white trench coat with like the chest up to the shoulders, like cut off at the shoulders. It's like just kind of like brown striped. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. almost looks like it might be like leather padding or something. It, it's buttoned at like the neck and sternum and then goes wide open uh, below, revealing yet another uh, uh, altered school uniform. Yeah, just like, and this this one's like a full body school uniform. Yeah, yeah. There's no like separation between shirt and pants here. It's just, and yeah, he's got like a million buttons on it. So, so yeah, here, here he is talking, trying to ramp up the tension, taking out a piece of paper and like, oh yeah. You know what I got in mm -hmm. here? I got a cast iron bowl of ramen that I can shred by tearing it. <laughs> he just rips the paper in half and the, a broken bowl of ramen just plops, <laughs> plops Is out. Is that scary that I could tear a bowl? I mean, I, I guess that's scary. I guess so. If you never, I mean, it's just freaky to see an impossibility happen. But afterwards, you'd be like, damn, this is kind of dope. <laughs> Anyway, read this paper. This paper says Koichi on it. I'm going to throw this into traffic. The only non-stand user in Morio today is driving down the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th this piece of paper is flying towards this uh, this tire and Josuke is seeing it happen in slow motion and it freaks him out just enough that he bites his lower lip. And so the car and the street just kaleidoscope in in, in 
that same pattern and out pops enigma who like like i said is a purple swirly boy mm-hmm. he's a, a sort of mid to dark purple with light purple highlights in in swirling patterns i do like his like green eyes and yeah. a, a noseless mouthless like face plate yeah his eyes are almost like wiffle balls like they got little holes in them a or something a little bit a little bit uh, and some of the swirl patterns are very suggestive of like question marks because he's an enigma yeah yeah whoa and of course pink heart knee pads because stands always have pink heart knee pads (laughs) so as josuke sees enigma come out he goes to just punch him a million times with with crazy diamond but enigma's already in the in the process of like tessellating him and so he just does a bunch of counter like finger pokes so that yes his fingers line in in the gaps between like the fingers of crazy diamond so that they form a a neat pattern on the paper and it's cool because like it's the pattern hasn't been fully completed yet so only part of the frame is like this 2d pattern while the rest of them are like still 3d Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. it's neat so he gets zapped into the paper uh uh, josuke and crazy diamond together and uh crazy diamond just like grabs on this post on the street Uh, it's not like a parking meter but i feel like it should have (laughs) been Yeah. Because then I would know what this thing is for. It kind of looks like a little, those little poles that you put up with reflectors for like marking construction Mm -hmm. sites, like on the side Mm -hmm. of the road, Mm -hmm. but there's no construction. So he's just like grabbed onto that as an anchor to try to not be paperized, but then it like snaps off and he still becomes paperized with the posts. Yeah. And Yuya sure is glad he didn't do shit today. He's all <laughs> scot free. Like, oh, oh, you don't care that I saw? Well, I don't care either. Do 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 do. I got some babes <laughs> to go smell. <laughs> As like Enigma's users like gloating, like, damn, I got two guys in like a couple hours today. I am, I am on fire. Josuke starts to come back out of the paper because he's mm-hmm, re- mm-hmm. he's repairing the pole that snapped, which is dragging him out of the paper. It's not powerful enough to fully pull him out of the paper. It's just enough for like his head and shoulders to come out, so Josuke can uh, uh, talk. Give, so yeah, he can talk. <laughs> so he can give a, a departing message before he fully becomes paper, which is essentially just telling Enigma's user, "If I get out of here, I'm going to fucking kill you." <laughs> this is the first time he's straight up told somebody, "I am going to kill you." It's it's the first time he's made that threat, and that's the ending. But it begins with an explanation of how he got to this point, mm-hmm. because he knew he was uh, uh, practically certain that that was a trick. Uh, uh, that that paper with Koichi's name on it is not the paper that uh, uh, holds Koichi because yeah. you know if he killed him then he'd lose all leverage and he's not that that kind of idiot he, he doesn't mm. play his hand that aggressively but I love my friend so much that I will fall into any trap it is so <laughs> easy to dupe me and that makes me badass I'm gonna kill your ass <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> and, and then he falls back into the paper yeah and then uh, Enigma's user like looks at the the sheet of paper with Koichi written on it and he just steps on it and it was just like a little bottle of milk that was yeah. in there. <laughs> and then he points at Yuya and he's just like, hey, the old man in the photo didn't tell me to like kill you. So like you're off the hook for now. Just don't fuck with me. Bye. And now we find that this guy doesn't have any trouble finding street parking because he unfolds another sh- sheet of paper and a taxi cab pops out. <laughs> a whole taxi cab pops out. With a driver. <laughs> with a driver who is unfazed. <laughs> he just tells the driver to go somewhere and he's just like, all right. 
Was the driver terrified of something? Yeah. Did the driver never realize that he ended up in paper somehow? Or if you're contained inside a thing that does not need to be scared, which is uh, how I'm thinking about, you know, the gun and the tea and and this car. Right. If he folded up a building, would he trap all the people in the building without having to scare them? Maybe, yeah. Hmm. Is that where everyone is? (laughs) Yeah, he cleared out the whole town, so he just folded up St. Gentleman's and that's the town. (laughs) Yeah, I've never thought about that. So as he's about to drive off, he's just like, hey, uh, uh, other enemy stand user made by the old man. We're not fighting. So I guess I'm just going to tell you uh, that anybody can unfold the paper and the thing pops out as long as you like do it carefully. Mm-hmm. I have no reason to tell you this. Bye. <laughs> Doesn't he also say something like it might, it's harder to unfold the paper than you think because of fear or something like that? I forget. Who cares what he says? Yeah, whatever. It's 1421. Mm, so close. Uh, mm. Rohan is looking over his pictures to see which one that this little gremlin is so fucking angry about. Because, again, if there's enemy interest, then it, it must mean we're onto something. Yeah. Enigma title card. <laughs> Back at 1320, this cab driver turns out to be pretty chatty. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, it's like nothing had happened to him. Just asking, like, the normal questions a bored cab driver would ask somebody. Enigma's user is like, oh, I'm going to go to the Grand Morio Hotel so he can he can take out Jotaro next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Who should be immune. Like, oh, what what is Jotaro's fear tell? Fucking nothing. Answer me this question, I dare you. Whale crying, that's the only thing that gets him. <laughs> yeah, it's like the only thing that could maybe freak him out is if just like Dio just walked in the room out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. That's like the only thing. <laughs> and that ain't happening. Yeah, as as this taxi cab is driving down the road, the, the camera pans to show off like the back of the car so that we can see, oh, hey, Highway Stars' little feet are chasing the cab. Hell yeah. Yuya was inspired by uh, uh, Jotaro standing up for his friends so much that it, he makes himself an idiot and knows it. Yeah. And he just thought, oh man, if, if anybody did anything to my girls, oh. So he is... I, I guess seeing a, perhaps a romantic relationship between Josuke and Koichi. You know what? The, the, the reader is the final collaborator. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's like, uh-uh. And I, I gotta, I gotta be a real man like my, my, my best, uh, uh, idol, <laughs> Josuke. <laughs> I'm gonna grow up my hair just like him and if anybody insults my hair oh boy they got hell to pay yeah at first it's just highway star catching up to the cab and and like grabbing onto the bumper Yuya is still basically standing in the same place he's he's been for the whole episode mm-hmm. but eventually he he's able to catch up with the cab because it has just come to a, a complete stop yeah and yeah, that's when he he notices there's no one in the cab, but there is a folded up square of paper just on the the back seat. Very clearly a trap. But it smells like Josuke and Koichi. And Koichi. So so now he knows that he's got to watch out for Enigma. Mm-hmm. And he knows Enigma's whole deal. Like, okay, he doesn't know what traps lie in any of the paper around, like what is about to be teleported in, sure. Mm-hmm. But he should be safe from being paperized right yeah like it it seems like the the ideal of a stand who is no longer a direct threat once you know it's trick Mm -hmm. just don't do it with the thing yeah 
He's going to open up this back door, but he's checking for traps, and he can mm-hmm, smell mm-hmm. a different scent coming from a different piece of paper that is like wedged inside the car door. So when he opens up the door, the paper will fall and like unfold itself. Mm-hmm. And this piece of paper just had fire in it. <laughs> it's just flames shoot out of it. <laughs> The paper had fire in it. Not, yeah. Was the paper on fire? No, no, no. no you no, misunderstand. No. The paper had fire in it. Yeah, contained inside of it, keeping it safe <laughs> until it was ready to shoot fire. So he, he braves the flames and snatches uh, the, the little papers labeled with his new friend's names inside like a bigger paper envelope. So he's got to open that up to get to it. And inside that big envelope is scorpions. Uh, two, two or three scorpions come out and he's got to that freaks him out a bit, but he swats them away. And then a weird reactive chemical that spills on some of the papers. And I don't. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like burning away at the envelope containing these papers. And then there's something in here that smells of iron. Hmm, I wonder what's going on there. And then there's a huge zap. One of the papers holds electricity. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just getting electrocuted. But then like the smell of machinery and, and iron or whatever is still there. While getting electrocuted, he just he just drops the entire thing of paper on mm-hmm. the ground. And it starts to shake and stuff. And out pops of the paper a giant industrial paper shredder. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and the papers he's trying to save are falling into the slot. Ah! Ah, ah! They're getting shredded. And Highway Star tries to like beat the shit out of the paper shredder, but it's such a sturdy industrial shredder that he can't destroy it. And Highway Star's skills were never in the punching arts to begin with. Yeah. So so as they are slipping away towards certain shredder-based doom, Yuya touches his chin. <gasps> ah, that's his mark of fear. That is his mark of fear. And out, co- and out comes uh, uh, Enigma to headbutt Yuya in the gut with its <laughs> chin, which is his tessellation as he becomes paperized. But wait, <gasps> Yuya... Yuya did the JoJo thing. He did the JoJo move. (laughs) Because getting him paperized would also paperize Highway Star. And Highway Star, of course, is a slice of dozens of feet. So he's dozens of pages. Yes. Which are able to swoop in and, like, cut in line at the shredder and, like, push Josuke and Koichi out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love it. And as... Like Josuke and and Koichi come out of their sheets of paper and strike cool poses. Yuya does like finger guns as he just gets mm-hmm. folded up into a piece of paper and he's like, I'm getting owned, but it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so so Crazy Diamond is released, who is skilled in the punching arts. Oh yeah. Oh yes. And like this guy grabs the sheet of paper that's got Yuya and he's just like fucking back off. I'll just rip this guy in two and he can't do anything because act three hits him with three freeze immediately. And the paper is too heavy to tear. Ah. <laughs> and so Josuke is like, OK, gotcha now. Wait, a, wait a minute. Let me, let me think back. It, it's been a certain number of minutes that I could check by doing the math on these title cards. But let me think back a little mm-hmm. while. Mm hmm. I said I was going to kill you. (laughs) So he does 10,000 punches. And as he punches him, there's this strange effect where uh, not only this unnamed stand user's hair, but also parts of his face 
stream out in long, like silvery white strands and become little paper curls. Yeah, he's getting punched into the paper shredder that's full of strips of paper. Yeah, and getting fused together and then unstripped. Like, it looks like he's made of, like, adding machine rolls coming unspooled. Yeah. But all of this uh, alchemy resolves itself into this man becoming a book. (laughs) And he says, I... I'm a book. <laughs> yeah. Like the pages flip open to uh, like the center of the book where like his face exists, but it's just like little, it's like ASCII art mm-hmm, comprises mm-hmm. like eyebrows, eyes, and a mouth. And these weird like adding machine strip curlies are, are having the same effect as his uh, uh, pointy hair locks. <laughs> yeah. So the narrator tells us all about, you know, Josuke donating this book to the library and how you can't check check it out, but you're free to read it. Josuke's never read it, but you can go to the library and read this man. Mm-hmm. And uh, we finally get his name, which is also the title of the book, Terunosuke uh, Miyamoto. Yeah. The narrator says, like, yeah, if you ever check out this book, you're not allowed to take it home. You can only read it in the library. And when you're reading it, you might hear a faint voice. So they just made like a ghost. They made mm-hmm, a ghost mm-hmm. story for the town. Another one. So actor notes for uh, Terunosuke. You know, you know how I've mentioned how very many JoJo's actors, their their English voices are in Aldnoa Zero? Yeah. This time, so's the Japanese voice. <laughs> Different characters, but both this guy's oh. voices were in Aldnoa Zero. Oh, wow. Uh, the English voice may also be recognized as the protagonist of Great Pretender, and mm. his Japanese voice is uh, Mikazuki August, the protagonist of Gundam uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's wild how small, like, the voice acting sphere is. <laughs> well, they keep making, like, 90 shows a year. Yeah, that's true, that's true. They, it's a very high output. Everybody, uh, uh, including this book, is sharing a cab ride, and the driver is dead silent. He's mm-hmm. learned his lesson. He's staying out of this shit. Yeah. As they drive on the street over a big old July 15th, much like, you know, the, the logo was in, in the first episode. Yeah. That was just the date. Yeah. So now it's 1610. Uh-uh, not quite yet. What I miss? And above them floats the Polaroid, and Pappy Kira just, you know, curses these, quote, resilient little crotch crawlers. <laughs> right, I forgot about the crotch crawlers comment. You can't forget about the crotch crawlers. I can't forget about the crotch crawlers. <laughs> See, as it is 1610, and Rohan is calling Koichi against Cheap Trick's advice. Yeah. It, it turns out the depression stand doesn't want you reaching out to those close to you. No. Yeah. <laughs> Surely everyone's going to be really annoyed if you bug him. Better not. 1630. Josuke leaves the hotel suite to check out these new leads three hours after receiving them. <laughs> yeah. Or Jotaro, rather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What was he doing for three hours? It's reading all those papers. I don't know. He's preparing to leave, I guess. Maybe uh, doing some research on the phone. He loves that phone. Yeah. 1652, out in the streets, the most important thing is that Pepsi exists. Actual, honest-to-God Pepsi. Fuck you, Coca-Cola. Yep, there is an actual Pepsi billboard, and we see that Hayato is running down the road, trying to track down his, his dad to film, like, what the fuck he's doing around the town when he's not home. It's after work. 
Mm-hmm. And that is the the cliffhanger for this episode. The the cliffhanger is the 1999 in Morio is the height of the Pepsi generation. <laughs> but as as I always do, I check uh, the wiki to see what was changed in adaptation, or at least what wiki editors think is a significant change. Yeah, and there are two I want to share in this part in particular. Number one removed another instance of Echoes exclaiming, "Let's kill the ho." <laughs> great that's just a catchphrase i guess that's just a thing echo says at least twice yeah yeah and two did not show the names and addresses in rohan's phone book hmm. including jotaro joseph tonio okiyasu and josuke huh the one that's surprising tonio yeah i i'm imagining that he calls up trusardis for takeout and tonio does not do delivery yeah and so they, they had like a four hour argument, like, bring me the food. I will not bring you the food. And just restating that over and over again <laughs> until they both passed out. Oh, God. Rohan must be the most un- insufferable person to go to a restaurant with. <laughs> Rohan doesn't tip. There's no way that dude tips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I know tipping isn't really a thing in Japan, but if he were in America or somewhere else where you, you, you got a tip, he would not fucking tip. <laughs> He would write he would write on the receipt like here's a tip lose some weight or something like that. That's that's his tips. He's a dick. The absolute worst to serve food too. And you know he's giving like 10 different special requests. Meanwhile like Trisardi's is the sort of place with no salt or pepper on the table. <laughs> yeah. Like no, this is the way I make it. Fuck you. <laughs> Their relationship is a very unstoppable force and movable object thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never going to be resolved. Uh episode 34 July 15th Thursday part 4. At 1643, Koichi gets to Rohan's house. Yep. <laughs> and so Koichi's stepping in, asking, you know, calling for Rohan. And Rohan is right by the door, kind of like nestled in a corner with his back up against it. Sitting alone in a dark corner. This isn't just depression. This is TV depression. <laughs> yeah. And he just tells Koichi like, hey, buddy, old pal, I need help. I'm being attacked by a stand right now. And Koichi's like, oh, shit, where's the enemy stand? Koichi, it's on my back. It's stuck to me, behind me, on my back. But I cannot show you. I cannot let you look. That is the way this one works. And Koichi's like, hat, almost got me. Yeah. Anyway, I was paper three hours ago, but I know bullshit when I see it. (laughs) This whole scene right here is basically all the times Rohan has been like a dick or just kind of shitty to everyone, including koichi coming to bite him in the ass because koichi is just not taking him seriously at all he -hmm, thinks this mm -hmm. is some type of bullshit trick to show him something or get him roped up in some shit he doesn't want to do koichi's learning just at the wrong time but from rohan's perspective i understand that he is not trustworthy for sure but he has never pulled a prank yeah i suppose so He only he's, pulls pranks on contractors that come to his house. He's always been very upfront, like, hey, I'm going to mix you up in some bullshit you don't want. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He tells Koichi, like, no, 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 the, all this shit that's happening is real. I'm not fucking around. Here, let's go check out the dead body on the second floor. And then Koichi's like, a dead body? Oh, my God. Okay. Hey, Koichi, you want to see a dead body? <laughs> So Rohan does the same thing the contract, the, the architect did, and he crawls reverse crab style up the stairs. How, how can you improve on perfection, you know? Right? Just, yeah. Follow the masters. 
And so when they get to where the, the corpse should be, there's no corpse. There's just a hole in the floor. But mm-hmm, Rohan mm-hmm. notices, wait a minute, there's the corpse. When I look down into the hole, there is a tiny shrunken man, <laughs> just a little guy. Yeah, yeah. So he is shriveled into about a five inch tall naked husk, like a <laughs> doll of a man. And Koichi's like, hey, wow, nifty, good weathering. I, I, I love <laughs> I love your shadow work. Uh, are you working in vinyl? Is, is this ABS? What's going on? Did you 3D print any of this? Great job, bud. And then he leaves. Yeah. And Rohan's just like, fuck. He shouts down from the balcony. I thought we were friends. No one else thought that asshole. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And and this scene ends with like a, a cheap trick, just like crawling up to Rohan's ear and saying, "Cheer up, Bucko." Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> he speaks in that little gremlin way. Everything's like uh, uh, almost every sentence ends in "yes?" Question mark. Yeah, just like a uh, boingo. Borrowed a little vocal tick, I guess. Yeah. So now we get the OP, and uh, the OP is not changed. However, uh, I changed while watching it in that I noticed something I had not seen before. What's that? In in the, the bit where you're looking down from the heavens and you see uh, the, the dead people, mm-hmm. Keicho is up in there. Yes. Yes, he is. Keicho's up in the clouds pointing down at his brother. He's trying to be supportive from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing better. He's, yeah. he's working on it. Oh, took maybe a bit too long, but <laughs> he can still self-improve in the afterlife, I suppose. He's got eternity. Yeah. Uh, so it's 1725 and Kira is having murder thoughts on his train ride home. Oh, man. His nails are growing really fast. The, the impulse to murder is, is ever-growing. There's too many hot, strangleable ladies on the train. Mm-hmm, Son mm-hmm. of a bitch. And one of them is very rude. Because Kira, of course, we haven't really said it outright, but Kira's a very moralistic killer. Yeah. He, he, his uh, preferred MO seems to be finding someone who is just so tempting with a very ringable neck. Mm-hmm. smooth, pale, stabbable skin on their back, but who's just wasting uh, their life being crude or improper, and then yeah. he turns them into proper ladies when they are his hand friend. Yeah. It really reminds me of, you know, him teaching lessons to Koichi while he's trying to beat him to death. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, this rude lady is on the, you know, just standing up uh, in the middle of this this train, uh, talking with... I, I did not write this part down. She's talking with her boyfriend or a guy she's cheating with, I think? I believe this is her actual steady boyfriend That's right. who her dad hates. Uh, she, she, they, they are young adults, perhaps college students. I don't know. This dude's living alone. This lady lives with her dad. And she hates her dad and doesn't want him to be s- such a uh, like buzzkill. So she went shopping lifting and made sure her dad saw her steal shit and then go straight to her boyfriend's house to spend the night just to just to get under his skin and make the old man steam yeah yeah uh and as they're talking like she's got this like messenger bag over her shoulder and they're standing close enough to kira here that her bag is just kind of accidentally resting on his leg and that's really annoying to him. And so he gets irritated enough that he kind of just like slaps it off his leg, which immediately pisses off this lady. Her boyfriend gets hostile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they're they just annoyed at him. And when they go to 
get off the train, they bump into each other. So as three people try to get out of a two-person-wide train door, this jostle spills uh, Kira's briefcase and his his nail clippers in the shape of a a bowling pin (laughs) uh, rattle out onto the train platform, and they're like, I don't know if this is a cultural thing or what, but apparently that's a very old-fashioned thing. Yeah. Bowling pin nail clippers. That's something you make fun of a guy for having, I guess? I guess. It is for these two. They do. I don't know. Yeah. And as they walk off, and Kira's clearly, like, pissed off about this, it is now 1707. And mm-hmm. Rohan is trying to go outside again. He's he's taking people's advice to just take a walk, get some fresh air. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's going to go to the Morio Grand Hotel to get some help from uh, Chitaro, who is everyone's, like, fucking ace in the hole. Everybody needs <laughs> his help to solve their problems. Yeah, bro, can you just punch this off of me? Can, can you punch this really good? Don't look. Just punch it real good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I died. Ah. Uh... So yeah, Rohan is slowly sidling throughout Moria with his back up against walls and, and shops and stuff. But, ah, shit, he's at a fucking intersection. Yeah. How are yeah, you going to hide your back there? He's already been just squeedling around like a crazy person, but now you're, you're wide open. The city's populated again. It's rush hour, after all. Uh, there, there's no way you, you can make this work. But but he tells Cheap Trick, fuck you. If that dude could do it to get to my house, I, Rohan Kishibe, can figure something out. Yeah. So we meet another character that I need to know how the rest of their day went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, a tough looking dude who walks by. He's got like long chin length hair and you know, he looks like he could potentially be a gangster in the Yakuza or something. A guy you don't want to mess with, probably. But he's got a big back. That's the important thing. And so as this guy walks by, Rohan slips his back onto this guy's back, walking backwards, so their backs mm-hmm. are touching. Mm-hmm. Th- they become a four-legged man together, and this dude does not notice. He doesn't notice. <laughs> like, he seems to clearly notice, but has decided the best thing to do is pretend it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> and so Cheap Trick is like, oh, well... I can I can fix this. I can ruin this situation. So this Stan can talk to other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he can make other people hear his voice. And so he just starts throwing insults at this guy <laughs> to like make him turn around and try to like punch Rohan or something. Rohan has anticipated this as well yes. because he used Heaven's Door in this guy and you can see that like the skin around this dude's eye has unfurled just so that there's enough room for him to write in there, I cannot turn around for one minute. For one minute? Yeah. For one minute? <laughs> I'd put in a couple extra minutes there, honestly. Why not? I must walk to Jotaro Kujo's hotel suite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like this is just forcing this guy to not be able to turn around he's hearing the insults being thrown at him and he's like really pissed off but he just doesn't know why he can't turn around to address the guy <laughs> slinging insults at him but but rohan celebrates his, his little victory uh he did manage to, to go outside when he didn't think he could yep good good job buddy we're pulling for you 
So our, our next uh, timestamp, we, we, we don't cut to anywhere else. It's just 1732 and we're still with Rohan. Yeah, just further down, further in, into Morio. Who, frankly, is very lucky. This town loves to wall off yards and lots and things. Like if this oh, was yeah. all open or, heaven forbid, chain link fence, he would be killing himself and bystanders all over the place. Yep. So he, he's siling against another, you know, another wall. He's kind of going down. Not like an alley, but just a, a area of houses that all have the, the walls in front of them. He He's up to a place where, oh, there's no more wall. There's just like a gate, just an iron gate. So stuff's going to be able to see him through that. And all of a sudden, there's like a cat right right there. And then and uh, by a car, there's a dog. And Cheap Trick is like, did you know we're due for animal violence? Yes. <laughs> So it's not just humans Cheap Trick can talk to. He can also speak animal. Yes. And he's told all the animals in the neighborhood that, hey, this guy likes to torture cats and dogs. And so all these cats and dogs have gathered dozens of them to all yeah, kill this yeah. man together. <laughs> like When we get to this point, there's a cat in the tree. When Cheap Trick is explaining his, his ruse, there's eight cats in that tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, considering the spider, he might not be lying. Yeah. He he gets a couple cats scratching his face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of dogs about to lunge at him. There's one going right for his throat. And this is the first time Heaven's Door is, like, being used aggressively. Like, Heaven's Door yeah. tries to punch some of these guys. And he's only able to punch a couple animals away. There's too many. Heaven's Door isn't that strong. We got the swarm problem, but without a swarm stand, it's just a lot of dogs. <laughs> As the that first dog is like leaping into like bite at his throat, it sinks into the ground because Kuichi is here. Yes, very heavy dog. Uh, uh, and Rohan just pours his heart out to Koichi with his thanks and his praise. And Koichi returns with a very blank stare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Koichi saw Rohan doing some bizarre stuff around the town, and so he started following him to see, like, okay, maybe there is something going on here. Even Rohan wouldn't try to trick me this elaborately. And, like, yeah. he might, actually, but you know what? I'm g- Good for you having faith, even so. And so Rohan is asking Koichi, like, can you please use three freeze and just weigh this guy down so he, he just pops off my back? So Koichi tries to do that, and he rips a bunch of flesh off of Rohan's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's attached, not just physically, but, like, mystically. So even yeah. if he lets go, he still isn't letting go. Yeah, so if you weigh him down, you're just going to rip a lot of back's flesh off. <laughs> and Rohan's like, okay, stop, stop, <laughs> stop. And then he starts sidling across the the wall some more, and he's just smearing blood just, <laughs> across. Just painting the walls red. Yeah. Uh, so Cheap Trick is like, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to be with you forever until I wear you down with tr- constant trauma and exhaustion. Yeah. I'm the depression stand. Depression stand. Rohan appears to like crack. He he gets he he starts looking crazy. He's mm-hmm. just like giggling to himself. He walks off the wall. Uh, he turns gaunt and sickly. Yeah, obviously the the lighting and shadows on his face are just fucking gross. Mm-hmm. He looks like first appearance Rohan a little bit, but like <laughs> like he hasn't eaten in a couple days. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, Rohan seems to have finally been broken because he he walks off the wall and he turns around so that he shows his back to Koichi. Like, okay, you win. I'm going to let you jump off me to this guy uh, uh, in the, the slim hope that I survive. Mm-hmm. Why, why don't you go take a look at your new prey, Koichi? He's a, he's a brave little boy. And this is where Rohan pulls the Jojo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His true destination was not the Morio Grand Hotel. Was Jotaro going to do punch him? Then then he's going to die along with Cheap Trick, j- just like uh, uh, Heaven's Door opening his own face. That's yep. a stupid plan. <laughs> <laughs> his real destination was this particular alley with this particular post box with this particular bit of dog poo. <gasps> yeah, we're the yeah. ghost alley. <laughs> yeah. And he's lined himself up just right so that for Cheap Trick to look at Koichi to jump off toward Koichi, that means he's looking back at the ghost hands and mm-hmm. will get dragged to hell. <laughs> and so, yeah, all these hands shoot out and, and grab Cheap Trick. And Cheap Trick is like, where are they going to take me? You have to tell me where are going to take me, yes? And Rohan says, I don't really know. It might be heaven or hell. Don't really know which, so let's make sure it's the right one. And he uses Heaven's Door to open up Cheap Trick's, like, Facebook, and he just writes, go to hell in it. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I mean, I love this. It's a great moment. It's it's a really good capstone. But also, like... We know if he writes in someone, I will leave this tunnel at 70 kilometers per hour. It just happens by mystical force. Yeah. Could he kill someone by just opening them up and writing, I will go to hell right now? <laughs> I guess so. Again, that's why Heaven's Door seems so absurdly powerful. He could technically one hit kill almost anyone. <laughs> anyone who reads manga and is like kind of okay yeah. with it. If you really want to set the word straight, you just got to hope that a lot of political leaders in the world read manga. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is the second thing I've watched this week with an incredible, like, crowning moment where they just send their enemies through a portal to hell. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? Uh, Expanse finale, actually. Oh, okay. I was thinking yeah. it was going to be Expanse, but I wasn't sure if portal to hells were an, were an Expanse thing. They are now. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I just cut out about five minutes straight of me talking about how much I enjoyed the Expanse finale. Anyway, where were we? Cheap Trick's going to hell. Cheap Trick went to hell. And now Rohan is good. (laughs) Uh, Rohan and Koichi stumble out of the now-collapsed alley again. Mm -hmm. In their exhaustion, they they wake up and see that Rohan had brought those pictures with him as part of his cover story. Like, oh, I I gotta get these pictures to Jotaro. He'll be able to to detective out Mm -hmm. what here is valuable. But who's looking through him instead? But Arnold. And also Raimi, I guess. But Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Raimi points out like, hey, I was just looking through these photos and I just noticed that you know, you circled this this kid here, Hayato Kawajiri, and I just noticed one of the pictures of another person here, their surname is also Kawajiri. Because, mm. like, Rohan mm. was, like, researching people's names, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, wait a minute, these two are linked. Have you noticed this yet? And Rohan's just like, no! <laughs> So now we get a cheap trick mid card uh, that that still lists Fishman as like his user, even though that's a very fuzzy uh, uh, definition. He originated from him, I guess, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 
1804, Kira has been following this couple from the train for half an hour Mm -hmm. in order to sneak up when they go to to the boyfriend's apartment to just, like, get his hand in there and claw his way in. I I just love the the sort of brutish physicality he has as he grabs that door. The the shot of when he, like, claws in there like that really makes him feel briefly like a Dracula or something. (laughs) It it feels very, like... uh, like, One of them feral Draculas, not not the like <laughs> countly Draculas. Yeah, it feels like very uh, like Nosferatu or something almost. I don't know. And he immediately explodes the dude. <laughs> yeah, he just grabs the dude by the face and he, oh, it's disgusting. He swells up in like big veiny boils and then just, yeah, he's vaporized. These were the same sort of explosion boils that traveled up inch by inch up Shigechi's arm. Yeah. But they just appear all over this dude in an instant. (laughs) Yeah. He just swells up and he's gone. So obviously the guy's girlfriend immediately starts screaming and crying because what the fuck, my boyfriend just got vaporized. But Kira, of course, is prepared with a monologue for every occasion about how, you know, nails gotta grow, killers gotta kill, it's the nature of things. Mm-hmm. And again, he's a genteel man. Like, he I, he sees himself as like a finishing school, I guess. <laughs> yeah. When, when he asks her name and she's like, what the fuck, what's going on? Uh, he's like, uh, 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 didn't you learn proper etiquette? You don't answer a question with a question. Yeah, this is the one point where he, like, blows up and loses his cool, mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is that point. And then he immediately reverts back to, like, this genteel attitude. And he gets her name and he gives her a task. She must trim his nails with this old-fashioned, laughable bowling pin nail clipper. <laughs> and, like, there's nothing in the world. That is creepier than forcing someone to perform an intimate personal act like this. Like, yeah. There there are other examples, and this this is certainly among them. Uh, and it's, it's unnerving. It's disturbing. It just gets under your skin, and it's hard to watch. She's just clipping nails. Like, yeah. there is nothing that should... The ratings board could not objectively look at this and call it anything besides, yeah. I don't know, adult themes. That's why weasel ones like that exist, but... It, it, it's probably the scariest thing that's been in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, it's it is a creepy scene for sure. And like the whole time she's you know clipping his nails, she's crying and like begging for her life and all that. Mm-hmm. Say and also saying like please forgive me. And he's saying he just says, "Oh, I'm not angry at you. I just think you're very interesting." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He overheard them, the the two of them, when they were walking into their apartment. This woman was asking her boyfriend, like, oh, one of my friend's boyfriends got her some nice earrings. You should do the same for me. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he gives her some earrings, and they're earrings with her boyfriend's ears lined on them. Yeah, yeah. So when he exploded, he... Kira was very careful to blow up everything but the ears. Just sever the ears. Yeah. Because he's like, this will be fun. This is good. (laughs) Yeah. So he hangs her boyfriend's ears on her ears. And, you know, she just loses her mind at that point. And as she is screaming, Kira, like, holds on to, like, delicately holds on to her hand. And there's a click. And then she just turns into dust except for her, her hand. Uh, there's a quote from the series director on uh, uh, from the, the Blu-ray release about this episode. Mm-hmm. They say that compared to other anime, JoJo is among those that require the most post-production. I sincerely apologize about it, and I want to thank the team for their magnificent work on how on how Satoru and Minako explode. <laughs> 
Oh, man. That's the name of the boyfriend and the girlfriend in the scene, respectively, we had mentioned, but yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. And so, yeah, Kira's got a new hand, finally. It's been a while. Uh, he's, like, caressing his face with the hand. Quote, you're even cuter when you're silent. Yep. Mm. Ugh, ugh. And as he's, like, just in the middle of this apartment, you know, just rubbing his face with this woman's hand, uh, the camera pulls out, and we see that this is all being viewed through a camera lens. The, the door didn't get shut all the way when Kira came in, and Hayato, who's been following his dad, is just, just recording him through this little crack in the door. Like, he was already convinced, this is not my dad, and now he knows exactly what this, this demon is up to. Again, he doesn't understand stance, he doesn't know the mechanism, but he knows the goal, and yeah. he's got proof. Yeah, he recorded the whole damn thing. And when Kira walks out of the apartment, he's just like, ah, oh, damn, I forgot to, to shut that door all the way. Mm -hmm. And as he looks out from the balcony, because this apartment's a couple floors up, he sees just Hayato running down the road and notices that he's carrying a video camera in his hand. And he's immediately like, ah, oh, shit. So he explodes the new hand friend before he gets a chance to really get to know her. So sad. Mm-hmm. Down on the street, Hayato is booking it, getting the fuck out of here, and he narrowly misses Jotaro on the sidewalk. Yep. And Jotaro is walking down the road with, you know, all these documents on missing persons cases, you know, which also includes runaways, which th this woman who was just murdered, technically a runaway. I guess she was reported as a runaway by her dad as a way to, like, passive-aggressively punish her for yeah. behaving poorly. Even though he knows where she was, he watched her go to her boyfriend's place after shoplifting. Yeah. And then he decided to report her missing anyway just to get at her. Yeah, because, like, you could see Jotaro has a report on that, that woman specifically, but he tracks down the boyfriend's apartment shortly after everyone else has left and, and checks out the apartment and notices just a singular drop of blood on the floor, but everything else is, like, perfectly clean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But this is enough for him to tell, like, oh, yeah, we got our guy. Like, Kira's around here somewhere recently. And so the noose is tightening around Kira all because of family dysfunction. Yep. It's because Hayato wants his mom to be miserable like she used to be. <laughs> yeah. And because this girl who, okay, sure, has her problems, but one of them is she and her dad can't openly communicate. Mm -hmm. And they got to treat each other like this. Yep. <laughs> uh, a little detail I like here with Jotaro, like looking at this crime scene. You know, there's not much evidence to pick up or anything, but he doesn't want to leave his own prints. So when he leaves to push the door open, he uses Star Platinum to do it instead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Though we do know Star Platinum has fingerprints. <laughs> We've seen them. He won't be able to track him to any human being. <laughs> Unless Stans had the exact same fingerprints the user does. I don't know. Ugh, ugh. I don't know. But so yeah, jo Jotaro is like on the trail a bit now. Uh, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Hayato's got this footage. When Jotaro leaves, the camera is like focusing on a faucet, which has a singular drop of water drip onto the screen, which then turns into the next time code card. 2036. It is 8 p.m. We are after dark, and Kira is searching through Hayato's room. He's got to find this goddamn tape. What's what? Where's the boy got this tape? Where is he hiding the tape? Mm -hmm. And uh, Hayato, meanwhile, is hyperventilating in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. And he's thinking to himself, like, okay, I, I know what's up, but what, what can I do? How can I 
do anything about this. If I go to the cops, what are they going to say? Like, this is a bunch of nonsense to them. They don't know. And like, yeah. if our stand heroes would just like advertise that they do supernatural weird shit. Yes. Hayato's life would be so much easier. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm pitching here is Ghostbusters, actually, now yeah. that I think about it. You know, JoJo is kind of different every every part. There could totally be like a stand cops Ghostbusters style thing at some point. Yeah, yeah, like it would be kind of like Diamond is Unbreakable, but they, they would, but they'd charge at the end, and they, they <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Stand Ghostbusters could be pretty fun. It'd be all right. Yeah, yeah. Hayato's also thinking to himself, like, I can't show mom this because she she's so infatuated with dad now mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. she's not going to believe this shit. You can see that Hayato has the tape with him in the tub. It's like in the little like water pail. Mm -hmm. He knows he doesn't have much time to do this because he thinks eventually his dad's going to ki kill both him and his mom. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. as he's thinking that, oh, guess what? Dad wants to take a bath too. Did you know that this uh, part was animated after the release of Shower With Your Dad Simulator? Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took a lot of inspiration, I think. Yeah. Uh, but Kira, of course super ripped as we have <laughs> yeah. seen in his previous shower scene just yeah. jacked as hell but honestly hayato is is pretty jacked as well as far yeah. as nine-year-olds go like yep a thing that's really easy to miss that i want to point out is like you get the first shot of just like the door just creaking open a bit and, and seeing kira's face while while saying like hey do you mind if dear old dad joins in I need a bath too. Uh, but once he walks into the room, the camera's panning up from Kira to Hayato in the bath. And very briefly, you can see Kira's shadow being cast into the bathroom is actually a shadow of Killer Queen with both of his hands up crossed with both thumbs ready to press the detonator. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's very, it's very good. So now we have this tense standoff where... Both of them know what's up, but neither of them can say because we're all very conscious about keeping our, our you know, story straight. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we know just how deadly this is. It is it is even more intimate than the nail clipper scene should be, but I find it less creepy. Like, mm -hmm. they are nude in the bath, and this is not his father, and he knows it, and there are subtext there there are implications that one yep. like that that is not kira's crime of all of kira's crimes that is not one of them but it yeah the the brain goes places is what oh, i'm yeah. saying but it is still less disturbing than the nail clipper scene i think because hayato has a measure of power in the situation yeah. because hayato knows what's up he has contingencies they aren't great ones but he <laughs> has them <laughs> yeah and that makes a big difference there's a lot of tension going on here with like Hayato's got the tape on him right now and he's trying to hide it when there's essentially almost no hiding places except this bucket. Right. Kira right. is immediately like, hey, want to go get that bucket and, you know, pour some water on me and, and wash my back for me. And Hayato's like, how about you wash my back first? And so now Kira's using the water bucket. So Hayato had to take the tape out while he wasn't looking. And he's just kind of hiding it, like just wrapped in his arms. <laughs> yeah, it eventually winds up like resting on his foot, uh, uh, shielded behind a, a screen of suds. Yes. <laughs> While they are playing their cover stories, Hayato basically scares Kira off with a ticklish buff. Not not that like Kira is afraid of people being ticklish, but framing it as 
Come on, Dad, I've told you a million times. You promised, remember, Dad, when you told me? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, your your actual father would definitely not scrub your back like that. Yes, you are ticklish. I am aware of this, yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eventually, everything starts coming to a head here. Kira just straight up says, like, hey, son, I was doing some business in the, over in Josenji on the other side of town, and I saw you running around there. What were you doing? <laughs> What what were you doing there, bud? Honesty is the best policy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kira just straight up confronts Hayato saying, like, I know you have the videotape. It's in your hand right now, isn't it? And this is where, yeah, the, the tape is being hidden on his foot underneath a bunch of soap suds. And Killer Queen forms a gigantic Killer Queen, just, like, taking up most of the room somehow. Yeah. Out of the, the billowing purple mist appearance. Yeah, this is one of the times where Killer Queen isn't summoned just by fading into the screen, but, like, forming out of, like, a really sinister black and purple smoke. So Killer Queen has touched uh, one strand of hair that's in mm-hmm. dangling in front of Hayato's face, and he's turned that into a bomb. The the perfect teeny tiny bomb. It'll just look like he slipped and fell and hit his head real bad. It happens all the time in Bass. It's really unfortunate, but no mm-hmm. one's going to be too suspicious about a goddamn thing. Yep. As Kira is getting ready to like push his thumb down on the, the detonator, Hayato says, oh, you don't want to fucking kill me, dude. Like, you think this is the only videotape? There's a lot of tapes all over the place. <laughs> and also, this entire time, there's been a... I had a video camera set up outside the window to the bathroom filming everything that's been happening in here. I film all my bass. This is normal and fine. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> there's a milkman who'll pay me 20 bucks. <laughs> oh, God. Only for moms, though. Okay, there you go. <laughs> And so, yeah, Hayato just points and yells at Kira, like, you can't do shit to hurt me or mom or else I'm going to release these tapes or they're going to get mailed to people, important people. You're fucked, dude. You can't hurt me. And that is the cliffhanger. So we still don't really resolve everything even after four parts. Yep. (laughs) But you know what? Most of it, all the stand fights. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, No, this was... This was a trip. I wonder what a strictly chronological ordering would be like, because very little things are happening simultaneously, at least in the action. Yeah. The Enigma fight is pretty much happening alongside the architect consult, basically. Yeah. But but not a lot of truly parallel action uh, otherwise. It really does feel like they they had to do that more just because a lot of the fights weren't exactly anime episode length. Yeah, yeah, that I... I can definitely see that. Yeah. But yeah, I think all the fights are pretty fun. I think Enigma is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Though the the conclusion to Cheap Trick is really good. Br- bringing back the ghost alley is really cool. Especially when it feels like, oh, this is a thing that is cool and happens once and will never be important again. It's like, no, it is. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set up the, and payoff in JoJo. There's a terrain effect. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that our four fights, we had, what, uh, um, something that is essentially a puzzle turned into a fisticuffs battle, and then just a real stand fight-ass stand fight in uh, uh, Enigma, mm-hmm. and Cheap Trick really is just all puzzle all the way. Yeah, there's no punching that guy. Mm-hmm. You can't. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a nice variety of, of stand fights. I'm, I'm a fan of all of them. 
this first part is primarily just a ton of stand fights happening. I still think my favorite part is all the stuff with Kira at the end of this episode. Yeah, I mean, Kira's a great character. We, we've said it so many times, but you just, you gotta watch him. He's electrifying. Yeah, like just, just having a completely ordinary, for the most part, child, <laughs> like getting involved in this and being like a major player in yeah, trying yeah. to expose this, this villain is really fun. It's like if Harriet the Spy wound up in fucking Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've only got two two more episodes left and we'll be done with, with Diamond is, un- is Unbreakable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so next week will be Bites the Dust Part 1 and 2. Another Queen reference. I, w- I wonder what stand's going to be important. <laughs> I really like the Bites the Dust episodes. They're, they're <laughs> great. Interesting variety of stand users we got in uh, our, our big day in July, though. Yeah. We got a, a guy that was willing to kill but was his heart wasn't really in it and then enigma's user is a great case of a guy who has just incredible powers with his stand and seems like he mastered like 80 percent of what that stand could do yeah yeah but thought he was at a (laughs) hundred yeah there's totally more he could have been doing he had some wild ass really cool ideas but just just a little more and he could have been as unstoppable as he thought yeah but as a character he's frankly pretty thin he's just like really confident about it and then he dies and (laughs) then we get his name very strange yeah he's almost a stardust crusaders stand user Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways yeah honestly yeah I feel you could have the exact same stand come back in a later JoJo part and have a wildly different fight, mm-hmm. especially if it's a guy who's like even better at, at using it. <laughs> like it feels like he would be on the level of like a vanilla ice or something where he can take out multiple members of the main cast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What if you combined, what if he worked together with somebody who had an escape room stand that was like a haunted house <laughs> So you're scaring people, you trap them in the escape room stand, and as they're doing puzzles, you scare them, and then they get turned into paper and die. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then Whole Horse shoots them, because he's number three (laughs) now. Whole Horse shoots them through the paper, (laughs) just to be sure. (laughs) And and then our architect, a stand user who didn't know he's a stand user, more of a a stand incubator slash delivery guy. Yeah. That, that's a fun concept, too. It's interesting how all those the weird edge cases for what is a stand user go to Rohan just so that, like, his initial instinct to the, okay, I'm going to read you now, is respected, but isn't an I win button the way it would be with, like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm going to pop you open. Oh, your stand is called Enigma. I just have to not do my fear tell. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. For how powerful Heaven's Door is... I feel like every time they found a stand where it's just like, well, it works around what Heaven's Door can do. It never feels like bullshit somehow, (laughs) even though it really just is like two kids in a playground saying like, well, you can't shoot me with bullets because I have bulletproof armor. Oh, yeah. Well, I have bullet piercing, (laughs) you know, armor piercing bullets. And it's just that type of power escalation where you're just making shit up on the fly. But if there's somebody in this show where I'm really sad they died, precious baby Shigechi accepted. Yeah. It's it's our architect because like he yeah. didn't ask for this. He's not part of this. He wasn't even villainous. He just got cursed with a little guy that kills him <laughs> and opens the refrigerator door on his back. <laughs> it's not his fault. He didn't do anything I to know. anybody. He was just so so scared by the client from hell. <laughs> 
Yeah. What did Rohan do with the little shrunken doll body? Put it in his manga. What does he do with anything? <laughs> Just put it in a display case along with his with with a bunch of weird movie mem- movie memorabilia. So much of you know his wall art got burned up. He's going to put it in a little shadow box. <laughs> And then tell everybody it's a model he carved to draw whatever that becomes in in the story of Pink Dark Boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know, another thing I just thought about, I also really liked that Yuya came back and, like, helped in that one fight. That was fun to see. We're, we're not done with rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, like, out of any of the other, like, random stand users that have been beaten up and made friendly, Yuya's a pretty good one to bring back again. Mm-hmm. He's a fun guy. The penchant for smelling ass sweat from 10 feet away. And he didn't have to become short. And he, and he didn't get short. <laughs> Maybe the girls would hate that if he became short. I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, so fickle. Or would they just like it that he's a tiny guy now? I don't know. I don't entirely know what his animal magnetism is. Your your pee bottle is so small now. It's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Those, they don't make those things to scale. That's not how it works. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> The girls made one for him. Aww, they they carved it with their giant knives. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just borrowed. It's like a a random hollowed out accessory for like a Barbie doll or something. <laughs> there you go. Wow, he's really short. God damn. He's, he's yeah, very tiny. <laughs> he got affected by cheap trick, but didn't die. He just got tiny. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Again, we we will be back next time with Bites the Dust Parts 1 and 2. Uh, while you are out there listening, why don't you tell somebody about what you heard? I think we had a lot of fun here today. Oh, yeah. And I hope you did, too. And if you did, say so. And if you didn't, say so, but in a way that makes people want to check it out for themselves. Tell Show them an uh, out-of-context clip of the gun coming out from the, the piece of paper Mm-hmm. And then say, okay, now to understand this, you have to watch over 100 episodes. Or you could listen <laughs> to this one episode of a podcast. You'll pick up a lot of um, context clues. Yep. <laughs> a stand is kind of a ghost that fights for you with an individual superpower. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of guys whose names start with J, and sometimes one of the hosts uh, says the wrong one. <laughs> we forgive him. There's there's a lot of J's. It's I it's totally understandable getting mixed up. I do it too. <laughs> there's so many Joes. Also, like it, it it should still be running by the time this episode's up. I don't entirely know when this will go live, but uh, hey, keep checking out the Final Fantasy VII remake. Let's play. Yeah. And if for some reason that's already finished somehow, hey, check out the, I don't know, probably finished the Super Mario Odyssey Let's Play. Ooh. Yeah. That, that's, that's fun. A, yeah. There's still a little bit of that left. And it's been a year and a half <laughs> or something since the last episode. So, Ooh. Wiki trivia. As revealed by Heaven's Door, Masazo frets over the fact he hasn't been able to find a girlfriend. Maybe because <laughs> they've all seen you climb stairs. <laughs> yeah. God, if that's a habit even before this. I'm a world-renowned architect. I'm 29 years old. I have a cool haircut and big dreamy eyes. I just want to make the beast with one box. <laughs> he he started the reverse crab walk technique as a way to in, uh, inspect the ceiling. <laughs> he was getting sick of craning his neck upwards, so now he just gets to look straight up. It's like those weird fish that have their eyeballs naturally pointing up when they're looking for prey above them. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week. To be continued. Continued.